Amen. Well, today's message is titled, Answering the Calling of God. So if you can open up your Bibles to Judges chapter 6. And as we begin here in Judges chapter 6, we know that as we've been going through the book of Judges, we've just seen God working powerfully. God has been working powerfully through the lives of various people. We've had various judges and we see how God just works just amazingly through them. And so we know that each and every one of them have answered the calling of God. And we know that when God calls you, one of the things that we know and we're going to see today and we're going to hear today constantly throughout this message is that God is going to do the work through you. See, God never says, you know what, I've called you to do a work. And I'm just going to, you know what, leave it up to you. I'm going to just say, you know what, go ahead, go handle it on your own. You can take care of it, right? He's never going to tell us that. See, when God calls us to do something, one thing that we can be assured of is that he's going to enable us to complete every assignment that he gives us. This is what's so amazing about God, right? This is what, for me, it's so amazing to know that all we have to say is yes to God, and then God's going to do the work through us. Have you ever thought of it that way? When God is calling us to do something, that all you have to do is answer yes to the calling and then God is going to do the rest through you? This is what's so amazing about God, right? He's not saying, I don't want your strength. I don't want your power. I don't want your abilities. I want none of that. All I want is for you to say yes and to allow me to work through you. For us as a people, how is it that we know God's assignment? How is it that we know when God is calling us to do something? You know, God wants us to be sensitive to his word. See, this is what's so amazing is that we are called to be sensitive to the word, right? We are to called to be listening to the Lord. We are called to trust in the Lord by faith, right? Walking by faith, doing as he is asking us to do. See, as a people of God, one thing that we know is that God is constantly speaking to us. God is calling us. And God wants us to hear his voice. See, we're going to talk about three things today. Well, I'm going to mention three things now, I should say. As a people of God, right, we have three choices to make. As we hear the voice of God, are we going to follow through with it? Are we going to do anything about what he's calling us to do? Or... When we hear the voice of God, are we going to doubt his calling? Are we going to question his calling? Or three, when we hear the voice of God, are we going to do as he calls us to do? See, there's three options there, right? One is, of course, we don't have to do it. Option number two is we're going to be doubting it. And option number three is, are we going to just do it? See, I think for all of us, right, God desires that we would all just do it. This is what he wants for us. This is what he wants us to do. And as we go over chapter 6, we're going to look at Gideon. And one thing about Gideon is Gideon is very much like us. This is what's so awesome about Gideon is that Gideon is extremely relatable. He's relatable because he does very much the things that we do as people. Whether you're a man or a woman, he does very much what we do. And this is why we can relate to him. And as I shared with you last week is that 
in the book of Judges, Judge, uh, Gideon has the most amount of verses given to him. And why is that? Because he's very much like us. And God wants us to learn from him. God wants us to have him as an example. And as we examine the life of Gideon, I want you to know that we are going to see his calling. We are going to see his doubts. We are going to see his excuses. We're going to see his lack of faith. We're going to see his belief, finally. We're going to see his testing. We're going to see his deliverance. And lastly, we're going to see his enabling, which is really what I want to concentrate on. So as we have this, right, let's go ahead and read all of chapter 6. Last week we left off in verse 11. So we're going to, I'm sorry, we left off in verse 12. This time we're going to begin in verse 13, but we're going to start in verse 12 because that is really where the calling of Gideon is, and that's what this message is about, right? Answering the calling of God. So let's go ahead and read beginning in verse 1. It says, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So it was whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up. Also Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza. And leave no sustenance for Israel. Neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents. Coming in as numerous as locusts, both they and their camels were without number. And they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. Meaning they were in poverty, right? They became poor. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abai Israelite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, Lord, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring you up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, this is Gideon, to the Lord, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, 
and you shall de- defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that is you who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offerings and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from the ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot. And he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear, you shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day it is still in Ophrah of the Abai, as writes. There, now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement, and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household, And the men of the city, too much to do it by day, he did it by night. And when the men of the city arose in the morning, there was the altar of Baal torn down. And the wooden image that was beside it was cut down. And the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. So they said to one another, who has done this? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, Bring out your son that he may die because he has torn down the altar of Baal and because he has cut down the wooden image that was beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who, let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him plead for himself because his altar has been torn down. Therefore, on that day, he called him Jerob Baal saying, let Baal plead against him, because he, was, he has torn down his altar. Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites, the people of the east, gathered together. And they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet, and the Abiezrites gathered behind him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, Naphtali, And they came up to meet him. So Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, look, I have put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only, and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so, when he rose early in the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. 
Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but on the ground let there be dew. And God did so that by night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on all the ground. You know, as we see this, right, we see the story here of Gideon. And we see really just this man that is, as we begun to read, as we covered last week, as, as this man was, was called to deliver the people from the Midianites and the Amalekites. And they would go every seven years, as it says there, to oppress the people, to plunder all of their fruit and vegetables that and left the, the nation of Israel in poverty. In other words, they made them poor. They didn't have any more food because these nations, these peoples would come and take their food. And so we know that Gideon was fearful, right? He was hiding there. And he was hiding under the terebinth tree as he was just threshing the grain, right? Getting the grain out of the stalk. And, and, and so he, he was there hiding because he was afraid of allowing the Midianites and the Amalekites to see them. Because otherwise they were taking all of their food. And so what we're going to begin now is really on the calling that God had upon Gideon. And it begins here in verse 12. It says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. As I began, we were going to look at eight different things when it came to Gideon's life. The first one is, of course, his calling, God's calling, Gideon's calling. That's the first thing that we're going to look at. As we read this verse, right, we see that the Lord appeared to Gideon. And Gideon was under the terebinth tree. And as he was there under the terebinth tree, we know that God spoke to him, right? God called this man. And he appeared to him and he told him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Last week I mentioned that Gideon was an extremely fearful man. He was a man that was feared, filled with fear. The whole nation of Israel had a fear upon them. They feared the Midianites. They feared the Amalekites. And as we see this, right, as we know this about Gideon, we see the fact that God calls a man of fear. You know, when I think about this, right, I think to myself, God calls a man of fear and gives him an assignment. Just like he called the other men, right? Othniel. Just like he called Ehud. Shamgar. Just like he called Deborah, right? They all had weaknesses, but yet he called them and he gave them an assignment. You know, as I think about this, right, how awesome it is to know that Gideon was a fearful man and yet God called him. To deliver the people. You know, it's just like Ehud. Ehud had a disability in his right hand. He couldn't use his right hand, and yet God called him. You know, to me, I, I think of this, right, and I think how awesome God is, right, to call a man that is filled with fear, to know that God turns these men and women from failures into victory. How he takes these men and women that are weak and makes them strong. How he turns these men and women into powerhouses for God. And as we think about this, right, we know for a fact that God can make winners out of losers, right? You see one standing here. See, that's me, right? We're all losers. If we're true to our, our own nature, we know that God turns winners out of losers. He transforms ashes into beauty. 
We know that He restores everything that is broken. I want to share this with you. See, because it's awesome to know that whatever God calls us to do, He's going to enable you to do it. He's going to do it through you. And this is what I really want you to just sink in. If there's anything that you remember from tonight, is the fact that if God calls you to do something, He's going to do it through you. Okay? He's going to do it through you. And this is what's so awesome. See, I want to read to you 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. It says here, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. See, what the scripture is saying here is that when God calls you, the scripture is telling us that he supplies, that he enables, that he equips, that he's the one that does it. See, when we think about the assignments and the callings from God, understand this, is that when God is asking us to do it, he's going to do it through you. We don't have to muster up our own strength to get these things done. We don't have to use our own ability. We don't have to use our own knowledge. We don't have to use human wisdom. All you need to do is say, yes, Lord, I will do what you called me to do. And when you say this, and when you believe it, and when you say, I'm here to do it, God will do it through you. This is what's so amazing. See, you and I have been called by God. And when we've been called by God, are we listening to God? Okay? Because see, God calls every single one of his children to do things. Are you listening to God? Are you following through? Are you sensitive? Are you aware of his calling upon your life? Many of us will say, well, you know what? It was easy for Gideon, right, to hear God. Because God was face to face with him, right? The Lord was there with the terebinth tree, uh, underneath the terebinth tree where Gideon was there threshing the grain. And so it's easy for us to say, well, you know what? Of course he's easy. it's easy for him to do this, right? He's talking face to face with God. Why wouldn't it be easy for him to do this? I'm going to share something that Gideon didn't have that we have today. Why it is the same for us as it was for Gideon. I want you to know this. Gideon did not have the living God dwelling within him. Not at this time. You and I have the living God that lives in us. The other thing that Gideon didn't have that we have today is we have the word of God. Gideon didn't have access to the word of God. You know what else Gideon didn't have access to? Amazing teachings on the airwaves, right? He didn't have radio the way we have it today where you and I can listen to amazing teachings 24-7. And what I, why I say these things is because every single one of these are accessible 24-7. The fact that God is dwelling in us. The fact that we have the word of God with us. The fact that we have the airwaves to listen to the word of God 24-7. God is speaking to us. Are we listening or are we so busy that we're not listening to his voice anymore? Are we so busy with the things of the world that we put aside the calling of God that he has upon our lives because 
We can't hear with all the noise that is going on within our ears. See, Gideon is no different than us. We may say God was before him. I will say to you, God is in us. We may say, you know what? He heard the voice of God. I say to you, we hear the voice of God every time you read the word. We hear the voice of God every time I'm reading the word. As we're up here teaching you and speaking to you, this is the voice of God that speaks to all of you. And I pray that my voice would never come in the way of God's voice and what he has to share with all of you. See, what we have here is we have the voice of God that speaks to Gideon. And for us, we have the voice of God that speaks to us. I'm going to share how we hear the voice of God, okay? See, for us, hearing the voice of God, it's not like Gideon, right? Gideon heard the audible voice of God. Rarely do people hear the voice of God today. I'm not going to say that it doesn't happen, but it's rare, okay? It's rare that they will hear the audible voice of God. What we usually have is we have the scriptures that speak to us, that give us the word of God. What you also have is the spirit of God, the, the Lord himself, that actually speaks to us also and gives us impressions within our hearts. These things that, that, that all of a sudden they, they're, they're deep within our heart and it's like a deep conviction, a deep impression where God is speaking to us. And this is what he does. Listen to what Psalm 37 verse 4 says. It says, delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. See, when God calls, he moves within your heart and he places a strong desire in your heart, a strong impression in your heart where he is asking you to step out in faith. But many times we don't do this, right? Many times we hear God, we feel the impression and yet we don't move, okay? And this is where we relate to Gideon. This is where Gideon will show us in a mirror how we are as people. And this is what God wants to reveal to us. And this is why God has this scripture here to us to remind us of these very things. And I'm going to share with you, I am very much like Gideon, okay? As we read this, I could relate to Gideon very much. And let's go ahead and read 13, verse 13 as we're going to go now through these scriptures. It says here, Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us, right? He's talking about the Midianites coming in and oppressing them and, and, and just putting them, you know, into this affliction. And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. So what we have here is, I'm going to summarize it for you. It's really easy. This is the second part of Val Gideon is his doubting. Okay. We have his doubting. When the Lord told Gideon, I am with you, right. He told them there in verse 12. He says, I am with you. And what did... What did Gideon do? Immediately, as Gideon speaks to the Lord, after the Lord says that, Gideon immediately responds with doubt. He responds with a lack of trust. 
Instead of believing by faith, Gideon says, Gideon actually doesn't say, well, he does say it, but Gideon really looks at the circumstances around him. Okay? This is what Gideon does. Follow me here. Gideon immediately looks at the circumstances around him. He begins to say, okay, Lord, if you're with me, right, why are we, if you're with us, he changes it for me to us, if you're with us, why are we in the state that we're in? Why are we suffering, he says. Why are we all messed up and oppressed by the Midianites? It doesn't make sense, Lord, if you're with us. Why is this? See, what we see here, right, is when God calls us to do something, many of us will do the same thing. We start saying to the Lord, there's no way, Lord, not me, right? I'm all messed up. How can you call me to do this? I'm messed up, right? I'm not ready. Look at me. I'm financially strapped, right? My family's messed up. I'm too busy. I'm going to school. I'm full-time in school. I have a part-time job. I can't do these things. These are the circumstances that are around you. And this should not negate the calling that God has upon you. Whatever he's asking you to do, understand this. No matter how busy you are, no matter how messed up you are, just like Gideon who was fearful, no matter what is going on in your life, no matter how financially strapped you are, God will do the work through you when he calls you. When we look at these circumstances, these circumstances were keeping Gideon from doing what God called him to do. The same is with you. If you are looking at all of your circumstances, then yes, they're going to hinder you from doing the work that God has called you to do. Forget about the circumstances and just hear the voice of God and let him do what he wants to do through you. We're all busy, right? We're all messed up. We're all, you know, we have all of these burdens. We have all these things. Stop it. Don't let these things hinder you from doing what God has called you to do. This is what Gideon is saying. Again, what Gideon is, how Gideon is responding to the Lord. And so what does God tell Gideon? Let's look at verse four, 14. The Lord says, then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So the Lord is telling Gideon, guess what, Gideon? I'm calling you to do this. I want you to go. See, in verse 12, the Lord says, I'm with you. So here the Lord is telling Gideon, guess what, Gideon? I'm with you. He's tells him, he tells him there, he says, go in the might of yours. Have I not sent you, right? It sounds like if the Lord is saying, go in your might. But in reality, remember the Lord told him in verse 12 that the Lord is with you. You mighty man of valor, you go in this might because I am with you. I am the might that you have. I am the strength that you have. I am the ability that you have to complete the task that I have given you. Again, as we look at this, right, what is the next thing that Gideon does? And I think that many of us will do this next thing also, just like Gideon. Let's read verse 15. It says here, so he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. You know what Gideon starts to do? He starts making excuses. 
See, when God calls us, we start looking at our circumstances, right? And we say, you know what? I can't do it. I'm doing this. This is happening, that, that, that. And then you start making excuses. You start saying, like, you know what? Like Gideon, Gideon saying, I'm the weakest. I'm the least. I'm too weak. We start doing the same thing. We start saying, you know what? I can't speak. I can't share. I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm unskilled. I'm untrained. I'm unqualified. I'm too young in the Lord. I don't know enough. We make all of these excuses. Remember this. When God calls you, he qualifies you that is unqualified. We must remember that he is the strength in your weakness. We must remember that he becomes the voice of the untrained. And we must remember that he is the powerhouse that lives in us. This is what God wants to share with us today. No excuses. Just like Gideon that made all these excuses. And Gideon is no different because, see, there's been great men of faith that have done the same thing. Do you remember Moses? When he was a shepherd in the wilderness for 40 years? Do you remember when God called Gideon? I mean, called Moses? What did Moses say in Exodus chapter 6 verse 30? He says, you know what, I can't speak. I've been a shepherd for 40 years. You think Pharaoh's going to listen to me? Moses didn't get it either. We don't get it either. How easy it is for us to say, okay, God, if you have called me, then you're going to do it. If you're asking me to do things, then you're going to do it. It's not me that's going to do it. It's you that's going to do it. God wants us to walk away knowing this today. That when God has called you, he will do it. This is what's so easy. It's a simplicity. But we must believe this by faith. Verse 16, as we keep reading, it says, And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. The Lord needs to remind Gideon again that I am with you. And guess what? I will be with you. And because I'm with you, we, you will defeat the enemy. Because God is within him. God lives. God is going to be with Gideon. See, God knows that many times, just like Gideon, we have to hear it over and over and over again. But what happens if we don't answer that calling? You know what? If you don't want to answer the calling that God has called you to do, then guess what God's going to do? You think he's going to wait on you? He's going to get somebody else. And what's going to happen here is that you're going to miss out on the blessings that God had called you to do. How many of us want to miss out on these blessings? I'm going to share this with you. I would rather do all that God is asking me to do than let someone else take my blessings from me. Than steal the blessings that were reserved for me. This is what I would want. And this is what God is reminding us today, right? God is asking Gideon again, you know what, Gideon? I'm calling you. I'm going to do it through you. And what's so awesome here is that, you know what, as we continue to read that Gideon finally gets it. But I guarantee you this much, if Gideon continued to doubt time and time and time again, then there would be somebody, another judge 
that God would have raised up to deliver the Midianites, from, uh, to deliver the Israelites from the Midianites and the Amalekites. As we keep reading in verse 17, he says, Then Gideon said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that, is you, that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from me, I pray, until I have come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. What we're going to talk about now is Gideon's lack of faith. His lack of faith. Okay? And this is the same thing with us. I want you to know this. This is the same thing that we do. When God calls us, right, we look at our circumstances. We start making excuses. And then guess what? We start asking for signs. This is what Gideon did. Do you see this natural progression? How many of you have followed this? Nobody? Yeah, I think most of us, right? Those that have walked in the Lord. When God has called us to do something, we look at our circumstances and we say we can't do it. We start making excuses. There's no way. Not me. And then we start saying, okay, Lord, if you call me, then give me a sign. See, this is exactly what Gideon does. See, after the Lord appears to Gideon, after the Lord has a conversation with Gideon, Gideon, t- in verse 17, asked the Lord to show me a sign. Show me a sign that it is you that talks to me. Gideon has a nature like ours. This is what we learn from Gideon. This is why God is using Gideon as a mirror for us to see our very self. See, God wants us to learn from this. And as, he ex- as we're learning from this, now he expects us not to do this, right? Because now we're held responsible For the things that he has taught us. How many of us, let's talk about signs, okay? Okay? When God calls us, right, we start saying, okay, Lord, if this happens this way and this happens that way, then I know it's from you. Right? How many will say, okay, Lord, if this is from you, then I'm going to open up the Bible and you're going to speak to me right there, right? Or what we end up doing is we start saying, you know what, if this is from you, I'm going to get a phone call right now. Or I'm going to get someone call me on my cell phone, right, and it's going to be them. And this is from you. See, we play this sign game instead of walking by faith. And God smiles at us because he knows how weak we are as as as, as people, right. He looks at us and he smiles at us and he says, I know you guys. I know you as people, and he's so gracious enough to give us a sign. This is how God works. Sometimes he gives us a sign, and there's sometimes that he doesn't give us a sign. But we know many times that he does because he's gracious. Okay, and this is what he does with Gideon. But I want to be candid here because I need to be extremely candid. When you are looking for signs, it only reflects your spiritual immaturity, okay? I'm not, I didn't say your spiritual maturity. I want you to hear me clearly here. I am saying that when you are asking for signs, it is reflecting your spiritual immaturity. God doesn't want us asking for signs. God wants us walking by faith. If we are constantly asking for signs, then your faith is always going to be in the signs instead of on God. And we must realize this. We become people that look for signs instead of people that trust in the word of God. 
And this is what God wants to, ref- what wants to show us here. He wants us to see that looking for sign, it only reflects our lack of trust and faith in Him. Many will say, and I'm, as I'm giving you these scenarios, is because I've done them. Okay? I've said these things. These have gone through my mind, and I just want to bring them out to show you that you are like everyone else. When we think about this, many will say, well, I would rather have confirmation than make a mistake, right? How many of us say that? I think many of us say that, right? Give me confirmation instead of making a mistake. Walking by faith is so much better, okay? Walking by faith is so much better. Let me read to you from Hebrews 11 verse 6. It says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, if we are looking for signs all the time, we're not pleasing the Lord. Okay? We must realize this. We don't please the Lord by following signs. See, the pleasing and the rewards are so much greater when we walk by faith. Can you imagine if Noah, okay, let's look, let's think of Noah, right? Imagine Noah. If Noah would have said, you know what, Lord, give me a sign. Give me signs before I built the ark. Give me all of these signs. I want sign after sign after sign. How quickly would the ark ark have been built? When we look at Abraham, right, if he would have hesitated from his departure to the promised land. And he would have said, I want signs. I want signs instead of just walking out by faith. Imagine David. Imagine David, if he would have said, Lord, before I go and fight Goliath, give me a sign. You know what, I want you to show me. I want you to bring the the, 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 the stones from heaven so I can have them in my hand, so I can defeat Goliath. See how this sounds? Sounds silly. Let us not be immature, silly kids, silly children of God. Let us be like these men that immediately when David saw Goliath, he stepped out in faith and he says, my God can defeat you. When God asked Noah to build the ark, he immediately went and began to build the ark. When Abraham was immediately called to go into the promised land, he got his family and he went. This is what faith is. This is what pleases God. And God is a rewarder of those who who, who seek him, who, who look for him, and who go after him. See, when we don't do these things, understand this. When we look for signs or when we hesitate in walking out by faith, we hinder God's work. We put a, 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 a lag in his timing, okay? And I want us to understand this, right? Because see, if we were to step out in faith, For us as a church, how many more ministries would be started? How many more people would be saved? How how much more glory would the Lord receive? See, if we immediately step out in faith, these things will immediately take place. But instead, we're making excuses. Instead, we're looking for signs. Instead, we're looking at our circumstances. And yet, God is calling us to do so many things out there. And yet, 
we aren't following through. As we keep reading in verse 18, or verse 19, it says, oh, I'm sorry, I, I forgot to talk about this. Verse 18 says, do not depart from here, I pray, until I have come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. What he, what he says here, what's happening here is that Gideon asked the Lord, he says, okay, Lord, you know what I want to do? Is I don't want you to leave. I want to go, I want to go bring you an offering. And so the Lord tells him, okay, I'm going to wait for you. And this is right before he says, remember, he says here in verse 16. He says, I'm sorry, in verse 17, he says, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk to me, right? But here he sort of contradicts himself, right? Because he's saying, I'm going to go get an offering for you. An offering for you, can, uh, they can only make offerings to God. The Israelites would not make an offering to a false, I mean, they would make offerings to false gods, right, when they were led in their spiritual adultery. But, but here he knows that he's God. He's saying, are you God? But then he says, well, you know what, I, show me a sign that you are. But then he says, but you know what, I'm going to go get you an offering. So you see the wavering that is going on here. And the fact that Gideon goes out in verse 19, it says, So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot and he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. What we have here is really Gideon that goes and prepares this offering that is only reserved for God. He has here a goat offering, right? He also has here the unleavened bread. And he has an ephah of flour. And as we think about this, right, Gideon must have been pretty well off. He must have been financially well. Because to immediately go out and get these things, I mean, it's not, if you were poor, you didn't have these things accessible to you. But he had them for him. He had them readily accessible. And so he brings them and presents them to the Lord. And he takes the meat, he says, and the eleven bread, and lays them on the rock. And he pours out the broth. So he pours out the broth on them. Okay? And so then verse 21 tells us, Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. What's so amazing about this is that the Lord took the rod out, took his rod, his staff, and he touches the meat. He touches the, the unleavened bread, and it was filled with the broth, remember? The broth that he had. And immediately, as soon as he touches it, fire comes out of the rock, and it consumes the meat and the bread, and immediately the Lord disappears. This is what's so amazing, right, is the fact that Gideon asked for a sign, and God was gracious enough. Remember how God looks at us, and he smiles at us and says, okay, you want a sign? I'll give you an amazing sign. And he does this for Gideon. He basically touches it, it turns into fire, and immediately he disappears. As we keep reading, in verse 22 it says, Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord, so Gideon said, Alas, O Lord, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. What we're going to talk about now is the belief 
of Gideon. Gideon comes to a place of finally believing that this is the Lord. He comes to a place of finally saying, you know what, this was the Lord that I was talking to. Who else can consume by fire by touching it, by touching this offering with a rod? Who else can disappear the way this man disappeared unless it was the Lord? See, Gideon needed a sign and with his and because he saw it, he believed. Do you remember one of the apostles that said the same thing to the Lord? He says, unless I see it, unless I see the piercings upon Jesus and touch them, I won't believe it. Do you remember he says this in John 20 verse 29? This is the same with Gideon. Gideon finally, because he saw it, he believed it. But one thing that we know, right, what does the Lord say about us? He said, blessed are those who don't see and yet what? And yet believe. As we keep reading in verse 23, it says, Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you, do not fear, you shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace. To this day it is still in Ophrah of the Abazarites. As we stop here, I want you to know this, that see, Gideon has now made peace with the Lord. Gideon has now believed by faith that this is the Lord. And Gideon hears, as you see there, right, as the Lord disappears, but he still hears the voice of God. This is what's so amazing about this, right? He hears the voice of God, and the voice of God tells Gideon, peace be with you. <coughs> I'm going to share this with you. Gideon was so overwhelmed by this because he saw the Lord disappear, and he hears the voice of God saying, peace be with you. That Gideon immediately builds an altar. Isn't this awesome? That because he is overwhelmed with peace, that Gideon immediately builds an altar and dedicates this altar to the Lord. And he calls this altar, the Lord is peace. See, when we look at this, right, we must understand what Gideon is doing here. Gideon is proclaiming because he is building this altar where everyone can see it, and naming it, the Lord is peace. See, Gideon wants everyone to know that he has now made peace with God. See, this is what's so amazing about this, right? And he also wants to let God know that I have made peace with you. See, you and I can only make peace with God when we believe, right? By faith. This is why whenever, for those of you that have truly surrendered your hearts to Jesus Christ, when you came to him by faith, were you not overwhelmed with a peace of God? I know I was. And it was so overwhelming that, you know what, it was like that voice of God that was telling me, peace be with you, just like Gideon. See, we have this same experience, right? Gideon truly made peace with God. He was experienced the peace of God, and he built an altar. And just like Gideon, whenever you come to the faith, what happens after you come to the faith? What happens? I'm going to give you a clue. It's called a test. See, whenever you say yes to Jesus, whenever you come to the faith, you are immediately tested. Your faith will be immediately tested. This is the way God works. 
See, he knows our faith, right? But he wants to test our faith so that we can see where our faith is. Did, was our commitment real? Or was it just an emotional thing? Was it because I just felt compelled to do it? Or was it because I truly believed it? Let's go ahead and read about this testing. It begins here in verse 25. It says, Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement, and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So God took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. See, the Lord is going to test Gideon's faith. See, Gideon believed and he, made, he did an amazing thing. He made, immediately he built an altar to the Lord. And he was out there proclaiming peace. I've made peace with God, right? I have the peace of God. And so God knows his heart. God knows the barometer of his faith. God knows how much Gideon as well as we can handle. And God knows how much he's going to give us. He knows our faith, but we don't know our faith. And so what God wants to do is God is going to strengthen the faith of Gideon. And you know how severe this testing is he was immediately thrown into the fire to be tested to allow that dross to come out to purify Gideon you know what the Lord asked Gideon to do I am going to test your faith I want you to do something that may cost you your life it's going to bring you against your family it's going to bring you against your friends but I'm going to test your faith what he asked Gideon to do that evening after this whole thing happened, after the appearance of God, after he built that altar, that evening the Lord speaks to Gideon. And he tells Gideon, I want you to tear down the altar of Baal. And I want you to turn, uh, tear down the wooden images, the Asherah poles, right? These were these poles that were wooden images, right, that, that, that they would worship. The altar of Baal was there, right, where they would bring... Uh, uh, things, sacrifices to worship to Baal. And he tells them, and I want you to take that bull, that second bull that your dad has that has been reserved for Baal, and I want you to offer it to me. Imagine this. And that's not all. When you tear down the wood of this altar of Baal, I want you to use that wood that you tear down to start this new, when you built a new sacrifice, when you built a new altar, that wood that you used when you tore down the altar of Baal, I want you to use it to light up the sacrifice to me. Okay? I mean, this is not an easy task because, see, religion, as we know, this, these people were part of religion, right? They had religious ceremonies. They would offer these sacrifices. And we know that if they tear down the altar of Baal, guess what these people are going to be? They're going to be mad. See, these Israelites there, they sacrificed and they worshiped Baal as their God. And so they're going to be upset about this, right? And they're going to come after who? They're going to come after the one that tore it down. 
And we're reminded here of that fact that Gideon was a fearful man. Because it says that he does it by night. There in verse 27. So as we see this, right? As we see the fact that he goes ahead and he gets his servants and does as the Lord tells him to do. They tear down the altar. He builds an altar to the Lord. He takes the bull offering, sacrifices that bull to the Lord, and uses the wood that he took from the altar of Baal to start the sacrifice to the Lord. So verse 28 tells us, And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was the altar of Baal torn down, and the wooden image that was beside it was cut down. And the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. So they said to one another, who has done this thing? And when they had inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, bring out your son that he may die because he has torn down the altar of Baal and because he has cut down the wooden image that was beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is a God, let him plead for himself because his altar has been torn down. So the men of the city wake up, right? And why do they wake up? It's morning. Or they probably woke up because they smelled this wonderful bull sacrifice, right? And it got them out of bed. And so they come out, right? And they all of a sudden they see the altar of Baal that is completely torn down. And they see the pole that is torn down. And all of a sudden next to that, they see this new altar that has been built. And there's a bull on it. And they don't see the wood that was from the altar of Baal. And they're probably wondering, what happened? Who tore down this, this, this altar of Baal? So immediately they're asking and somehow they find out that Gideon tore it down. So immediately they go to the house of Joash, which is the father of Gideon. This is in Judges 6.11, right? We just read this. Joash is a father of Gideon. And so they go to Joash and they say, hey, bring out your son. You know what? We heard that he tore down the altar of Baal. And so what is, how does Joash respond? He says, you know what? If Baal was a true God, would he let a man destroy his altar? Wouldn't Baal come back? Wouldn't Baal come down? And destroy the man that destroyed him? If he's a mighty God, right, can he defend himself? This is what Joash is saying. Imagine this. And that makes so much sense, right? All of these gods that people keep saying. And they get upset because they break down or they're torn down or these images, right? These statues that break and they're all crying. If they're truly gods, can't they not defend themselves? This is what Joash is saying. And so let's read now about the deliverance because this is key, right? Remember, his faith was tested. And now we look at the deliverance. Verse 32 says, Therefore on that day he called him Jerobbaal, uh, saying, Let Baal plead against him because he has torn down his altar. As we see here, right? Instead of getting Gideon, all they say was, you know what, we're just going to give him a new name. And the new name that we're going to give him is Jerobaal. And what that means, that actually means 
let Baal contend. In other words, let Baal contend with him. So in other words, what Gideon realizes is that, guess what? As I did what God asked me to do, he followed through. My faith in believing what he asked me to do, these things that were going to come against my family because his family worshipped Baal. His friends worshipped Baal. Everything that he did against his family, against his friends, he trusted in the Lord. He obeyed the Lord. And the Lord met him where he was. He delivered him from the hands of these people. See, Gideon saw how God changed the hearts of men. And the same thing is with us. When God asks us to do something, God always works things out. If God asks you to do something, understand this. God will never bail on you. God will always be there to meet you. God will always take care of things. This is what God does. See, God had chosen Gideon to deliver the people. And with verse 33, let's go ahead and read. It says, Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites, the people of the east, gathered together, and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet, and the Abiezrites gathered behind him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulon, Naphtali and Naphtali, and they came up to meet them. This is where I want you to know, real quick, the Midianites and the Amalekites, remember every year they would come to plunder. They would come to take the crops, to take the produce, to take the vegetables. This is them coming. And you want to know how many men were coming? Judges 8.10 tells us that it was 135,000 men would come into Israel to plunder Israel. Imagine that. 135,000 soldiers of the Midianites and the Amalekites. That's who would come. And as we see this, right, we see the fact that here it begins in verse 34, the fact that it says here, that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew the trumpet. When he saw them coming into the valley of Jezreel, this is that same valley, the valley of Armageddon, where the final battle between God's enemies and God will take place there. In the valley of Jezreel, which is 120 miles from Jerusalem, he sees them coming. He hears them. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord falls upon Gideon. I'm going to share this with you. Gideon immediately blows a trumpet. Gideon is prepared. Gideon has now the power of God resting upon him. The Spirit of the Lord was not upon Gideon until now. This was after he believed. This was after he walked by faith. The Spirit of God fell upon Gideon. I'm going to share this with you. When the Spirit of the Lord falls upon you as well as Gideon, God will do amazing things through us. The power of God will overflow from us.
the power of God will enable us to do whatever God is calling you to do. We must understand that it is the power of God that does the work. It is not our work. It is not man doing it. It is God doing it. And when we begin to realize this, then the power of God will be shown strong and mighty through you. Because God cannot share his glory with anyone. Yes, it may seem to prosper for a second, but it will not continue because you are taking the glory from God. When we realize when the Spirit of God comes upon us, it will overf- he will overflow from us. We've heard these scriptures. Zechariah 4, 6 says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Acts 1.8 tells us, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This is a power of God that fell on Gideon. This is the same power of uh, God that falls on us when we are baptized by the Holy Spirit. See, we have taught in times past as well as many of you have heard this teaching before. We have three experiences, three relationships with the Holy Spirit. We have a, a para experience, which is when the Holy Spirit is with us, convicting us of our sin and our need for Jesus. Then we have an N experience. This is when the Spirit of God comes in us, when we say yes to Jesus, when we believe by faith. And then we have the epi experience, which is the Spirit of God that comes upon us and overflows from us. This is what is happening with Gideon. This is what happens with us when we are baptized by the Holy Spirit. It is his power that is released through us. And this is a power that when God calls you to do a task, the task will be done by the power of his spirit. Not by your power, but by his power, says the Lord of hosts. This is why it is so important for us to answer the calling of God. To make sure that we understand that when we answer the calling of God, that you ask to be filled by the power of God. That you ask to be baptized by the power of God. And when you ask these things, God will do it through you by his power and not by our own. As we read from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11, it is God who supplies. It is God who enables. It is God who equips. We as a people, there's so many times when we begin to say, you know what? I can't do it. I don't have the, God hasn't called me to do that. God hasn't equipped me. God hasn't gifted me in this area. God hasn't asked me to do these things. See, one thing that we must understand as a people of God, we receive gifts of God. Understand this. We receive a gift. We can receive multiple gifts of God. In order for you to receive the gifts of God is that when God calls you to do something, you do it. And when you do it, you will realize that God has given you a new gift. Whether it be to encourage. If he's calling you to encourage somebody, go and encourage. And guess what? You receive the gift of encouragement. If he calls you to go and to preach, guess what? God calls, God has given you the gift of preaching, of evangelizing. If God is asking you to teach the word, you answer God's calling by doing it. And you receive the gift of teaching. Remember, these are not your gifts. But when you answer the calling of God, the power of God does it through you. And you exercise the gifts of God in and through your life. It's not a difficult concept to understand. But we must believe it. We must comprehend this. We must allow this to sink deep within our hearts. To allow it to take root within our hearts. 
And when we do this, then we can begin to answer the calling of God because we can say, God, you're going to do it through me. I am answering your call, and I'm going to let you do it through me. Don't ever say, I can't do it, because you've fallen into the trap of the enemy that wants you to, not, that prohibits you, that wants to hinder you from doing the work that God has called you to do. When God called Moses, I'm going to share this with you. God called Moses first, and then he equipped Moses. When God called David to be king, he first called David, and then he equipped him. When God called Gideon, he called him first, and then he equipped him. When God called the apostles, he called them first, and then he equipped them. When God called me to pastor, he first called me, and then he equipped me. This is the sequence of events. And this is the simplicity of God's power, of God's calling. Are we going to answer this? The calling will always come first, and then the enabling will come next. Don't ever doubt the power of God. If God is calling you to speak, if God is calling you to teach, if God is calling you to give mercy, if God is calling you to encourage, if God is calling you to speak in tongues, if God is calling you to prophesy, if God is calling you to do any of his gifts, say yes, and he will gift you. He will do it through you. Don't ever think that I must take an exam and figure out what gifts I have before I do them. That's a lie of the enemy. That only hinders you from walking in the gifts that God has called you to do. We're going to finish here. And I got to finish it because this won't go with my next message next, month, next week. So let's finish the final verses here in verse 36. It says, so Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only, and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you, shall s that you will save Israel by my hand. And you have said, and it, and it was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece. But on all the ground, let there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on all the ground. I just want to show you something. And the reason why I say it relates to this is because even though you're empowered by God, you can still get in the way. Okay? Don't go back from where you were. Okay? Don't go back asking for more confirmations. Okay? When God has called you to do something, just do it. Don't hinder the work of God. Gideon, again, was not exercising faith here. Remember this. He asked the fleece on the ground to be wet and the ground to be dry, and the Lord did it. He said that he wet the fleece so much that when he began to wring the fleece, a bowl full of water came out. And then Gideon says, be merciful with me, God. Hear me one more time. You know how weak I am. You know how fearful I am. This time... Let the fleece be dry and the ground wet. And guess what? 
the fleece was dry and the grass was wet. I'm going to close with this final scripture once again from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And we're going to close with this. Lord, I just thank you again, Lord, for just showing us, Lord, through the life of Gideon, just how we are, how, could we, how we could relate to Gideon, Lord. How we always begin to look at our circumstances, how we begin to make excuses, how we begin to just ask for signs. Lord, you just want us to believe. And you've reminded us that when we believe, well, there's going to be testing. But you are always there, Lord, to pull us through. You are always there, Lord, to meet us where we're at. And when you call us, as your word told us, you will enable us and you will do it through us. We know that in order to receive and in order to do, we must have the spirit of God. We must be baptized by the Holy Spirit. We must receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that you can overflow from us, so that you can do the work in and through us. Before I do, I'm going to do it quickly. Before I do the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to first ask if there's anyone here that may not have a relationship with the Lord, that may be not walking right with God. Maybe there's things that are hindering your belief in God or maybe your lifestyle, whatever it is, and you want to commit your life, you want to come to God through your faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask that you do this now. Raise your hand and we will pray for you. Anybody wanting to do this before we ask for the, before I do the baptism of the Holy Spirit, anyone want to receive Jesus Christ? Anyone here want to receive Jesus? Anyone? Anyone? Lord, I think we're all believers here. As we're all here, Lord, as we're all just hearing your word, Lord. Lord, and you spoke to us, Lord, but we know one thing is that we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if there's anyone here that wants to be filled by the Spirit, that wants to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask that you stand up and we're going to pray for you. Anybody wanting to do this now? this with you. We need the power of God daily. And if you want this power, stand up with the rest of those that are standing and receive this power. It's not your power. It's not anyone's power, but it is the power of God that will fall afresh upon you. Anyone else before we close? Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Lord, you see these people that are standing, Lord. Lord, we're here, and that includes me, Lord. 
I am here with open arms, Lord. We're here with open arms, open hearts, just to allow you to baptize us, allow you to fall afresh upon us, allow you to fill us, and to unleash your power in and through us, to overflow from us, and to touch those people that are around us. May your gifts be manifested in and through us. May they be a witness to the power of God to bring you glory and honor. Not to bring any attention to ourselves, but to give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. For it is you who calls, it is you who equips, it is you who enables, it is you who supplies. Holy Spirit, fall fresh upon us, baptize us, fill us, do a mighty work through us. And may there be a fire and a zeal that touches us and that falls afresh upon everyone else. May there just be an amazing work that goes on in and through this church because it is your spirit that is flowing from us. It is your spirit that is doing the work. It is your power. And we just thank you for this power. We thank you for just falling upon us, baptizing us with your spirit, giving us the gifts that we need to do all the work that you have called us to do. May we not hinder, may we not prohibit, but may we receive all the gifts that are for us because it is your gifts. And as we walk, as we are called, we receive these gifts. Lord, enable as we are called. And may we answer the calling. And may you enable. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.